is a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 29th of August 2008. I always suggest to newcomers they look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and they'll find lots of previous talks I've given on the real system that runs this world, not the one that's portrayed to you through the media and television. The real world that, that is... Um, coming into view, this next part of it is, it's run by a sort of scientific type of dictatorship long in the planning where there will be no mistakes because these guys don't make mistakes you don't pay billions of dollars to foundations and think tanks to make mistakes they literally go through every part of their strategy to come and how the public will react right down to supplying heroes for the public to follow before they've even moved the chess piece on the board. That's how far ahead they plan this. And I tried to piece it uh, together for you to save you time muddling through the real information and the disinformation that's out there because counterintelligence runs on giving you disinformation to confuse you, make you run in loops forever, and eventually you, you become so crazy. And I mean that too, crazy with disinformation and aliens and all the rest of it that no one will listen to you, they'll laugh at you, and you'll help to discredit the actual truth behind it, the real truth. That's what you do with counterintelligence. You ridicule truth by using truth and attaching the absurd to it. Also look into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, for transcripts which you can download and print up and pass around to your friends, uh, written in the various languages of Europe. And... I should also mention the top. Now, you keep me going. This show really is brought by you, the listener, and you keep me going, and you can donate to on my website. You'll see how to do it on the website. Then that keeps me going, your donations and the book sales and the DVDs and CDs that I put out. And also, I've got another one out, just came out, and it's to do with the transcripts, the two MP3s I sell. That's 24 hours altogether of talks. Uh, in written form with uh, all the mistakes from the translation rectified it as much I could find as, as possible anyway and I've also put in a lot of the stuff that was difficult to hear on international shortwave radio I've put in the, the proper words and, and sentences and so on so it's been edited for reading that's now up for sale as well and you can see how to get it on cuttingthroughthematrix.com website so, as I say, you keep me going, and that's, that's, that's the only thing that I can do. It's either I get a full-time job doing something else, which isn't hard to do, believe you me. I can go into different fields and make a lot of cash, or do this. And I'd rather do this because there's no other game in town. We are at war. There's a war being declared upon the public, the general public of the entire planet, and they're completely unaware of it, at least most of them are. For the listeners to the show, they do realize what's happening and they're all different phases of understanding 
the old system has been taken away. It was planned to go a long time ago. They knew that the boom times of the 50s and the 60s would last X amount of years. And they also knew that eventually they'd merge the Soviet-style system because they favored what they called collectivism uh, as a method of ruling the public. They'd bring in collectivism. It merges Soviet with the American system for the world. And they'd bring out this new world order where they would eventually start to cull off gradually the old man, as they call them, yesterday's man. That's what that means, and they'll call the yesterday's man. The old gene type is too inferior, and bring in gradually, over X amount of years, a new, more efficient type of service. And that's what it is, all about serving. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And before the break there, I was mentioning there's a new book out. In, it's called Waiting for the Miracle. And you can order it through the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And boy, are we waiting for a miracle indeed because people have little idea of the real world out there, the real world, the real powers that run this world. And they're vastly different from what you've been taught to believe. And that's what it is. You've been taught to believe a complete fiction, a fiction that things are run by democracies and elected representatives. And we all know those who've done our homework that there are very, very powerful families above all of that. Big foundations as well. Foundations that were set up when they gave the public democracy. The foundation's purpose would be to create a type of Soviet Soviet means rule by councils, and what it meant, they'd set up NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that would eventually have a sort of power, a sort of official standing amongst the countries, funded by the big foundations, which in turn were set up by the high, the very high royal Freemasonic system to counter and to really steer the direction of the world, but to counter democracy. They never believed and democracy from the beginning and you can go into the writings of Burke and others in the 1700s going through this whole farce called democracy and how they never intended it to be run by the, the people themselves Margaret Thatcher alluded to this as well when she talked about the parallel government that is not responsible to, to the public made up of ex-politicians, prime ministers and high civil service bureaucrats she talked about this in her world tour called The New World Order. That was the title of, of the lecture. And she did this in Massey Hall, amongst other uh, places across the planet. Massey Hall in Canada, in Toronto. And she talked about the next war being on fundamental religion and the religionists that were involved. And that was 10 years before 9-11 came along. So nothing happens by chance including the phase we're going into. We've watched the build-up of internal military under the various guises of police and SWAT teams and urban uh, special uh, terrorist fighters and so on for years and years and years, and under the guise even of drugs. And we now have internal armies across the Western Hemisphere. These armies have been prepared to manage us as they take this system down the system 
that isn't yours anyway, that you work within it, because your system of even work is changing or being taken from you. We saw this, for instance, with the mass exodus of factories during the 90s over to China. That did not happen by chance. The companies were encouraged to leave and move, set up in China by their own governments. Our tax money funded them to up and move and guaranteed to make up any losses in income for a 10-year period while they go back on their feet after setting up in China. How is that for a sweet deal? And that was done through the GATT Treaty and other treaties that were run for the last 30 years setting up that very system. 30 years of negotiations with high-level bureaucrats bypassing politicians to set up this entire system. Well, where's the work to replace that? Where, where did the factory workers go? They gave us what they call a service economy. A service economy. Which is a double meaning, by the way. Because service economy means you're in service. And what was it the old system said that they do to bring in the new system? They create a world where everyone is in service to serve the world state. And of course, the other meaning for a service economy means you simply import stuff and through many middlemen, you simply pass them around and sell and sell and sell till the consumer picks it up. It's not meant to last. And because it's not meant to last, we're going to go into a, a period of chaos. I've got articles here on, on actual police movements, police suggestions. Police are now making suggestions as to what they should do, what rights they should have over the public. And they're, they're bringing in curfews into parts of Britain and in, across various states in the United States of America. This will become worldwide eventually as youngsters who see no hope in the future and basically have been told that they're written off. I mean, Generation X can't get much further. And they expect riots to, to ensue eventually as the economy takes a dive. And it's planned that way. It was planned before you were born, right down to the year and the month and the day that it all starts. Every part of this system is planned so far ahead, it's staggering. This is from theguardian.co.uk, and it's by Nicholas Watt, the chief political correspondent, August the 29th, 2008. Economy at 60-year low, says Darling, and it will get worse. Well, like this is news. Britain is facing arguably the worst economic downturn, they call it a downturn, they don't call it depressions now, in 60 years, which will be more profound and long-lasting than people had expected. I wonder what people had expected this. Alastair Darling, the Chancellor, has told The Guardian today. Now, the Chancellor is really the, the guy who's in charge of, of the Treasury, they might call it the Treasury, this strange medieval system that still exists in Britain. It was set up by the Knights Templar. The Templars used to be in charge of the King's purse and treasury. And they're called the Chancellor of the Exchequer. The Exchequer is literally a chessboard, an outside chessboard inside the courtyard 
of the Knights Templars' old lodge in London, England. And the Chancellor who's in charge of the Treasury is still called the Chancellor today, the Chancellor of the H. Checker. Checker is chess. They used to do their, their debt and their credits with different colored big um, discs, and they pushed it around on this H. Checker, the chessboard. Still working today, and no one's said why in this age of democracy. It says here, in the government's greatest, greatest assessment of the economy, which follows a warning from a Bank of England policymaker that two million people could be unemployed by Christmas like there aren't already. Huh. Darling admits he had no idea how serious the credit crunch would become. This is how they give you the fake reality. These guys don't make mistakes. They don't make mistakes. And believe you me, with the magic of money and money creation, and the cons that go on within it, as they juggle, as all it is with a juggler, juggling so fast that you can't see what he's doing. That's what money is, and that's what the economy is. They could give you a paradise in a week or so if they wanted to, or turn it the other way if they want to. So here's the guy who's supposed to be in charge of it all. He just had no idea how serious the credit crunch would become. What a joke. These guys are paid millions of dollars. They don't make mistakes. Darling's blunt remarks lay bare the unease in the highest ranks of the cabinet that the downturn is making it all but impossible for Gordon Brown to recover momentum after a series of setbacks. The Chancellor, who says that Labour, this is, this is the, the Democrat Party in Britain, faces its toughest challenge in a generation, admits that Brown and the cabinet are partly to blame for Labour's woes because they have patently failed to explain the party's central mission to the country, leaving voters pissed off. Boy, they're getting really, really foul with their language. They're just pissed off. In a candid interview, Darling warns that the economic, economic times faced by Britain and the rest of the world, and the rest of the world, are arguably the worst they've been in 60 years. To deepen the sense of gloom, he adds, and I think it's going to be more profound and long-lasting than people thought. Well, you better believe it is, because they don't plan to bring you out of it. We're going in to the next phase of the war. And remember, the war, it's a hundred years war. A hundred years war. And at the end of it, they plan to have a, a tremendously reduced population. They plan to have brought through different types of genetically improved people right to the end product, which is the genetically created people. You don't need male or female to create them. And these are the ones that will serve the elite. Now, Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years, talks about this kind of thing. And he mentions that the elite themselves won't alter themselves. They have to keep their, their sense of survival capabilities working because they're steering the planet Earth. But the public won't need that capability anymore. And it will be destroyed for peace, for world peace. And the state will be making all the decisions for them. So they won't need that capacity. The economic backdrop presents Labour with its toughest challenge since the 1980s. We've got our work cut out. This coming 12 months will be the most difficult 12 months Labour Party has had in a generation, quite frankly, he says. But Labour has been lackluster. We've got to re rediscover that zeal which won three elections. What a joke. And that is a huge problem for us at the moment. Anyway, I won't give you any more of the political crap. Because that's all it is, is political crap. They don't run the government. They never have. This stuff is, is for public consumptions. They just made mistakes with their, with their mathematics, their sums. This couldn't add up properly. 
a little mistake. That's, that's what they present this, this, this nonsense to the public. After a lifetime of reading this nonsense. Meanwhile, the guys who run the world publish books on behalf of the organizations they work for. And they tell you how it really is. Two systems coexisting, one for the public to believe in and one for the elite. It's quite amazing. As I say, there's curfews being introduced across the United States. Really, really tough ones. And they've even given cops M16 rifles to handle the coming riots. And I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, trying to get to the bottom, to the bottom reality of this world in which we live. And for those who cannot wake up, you know, switch on your TV and just go back into watching old reruns of Seinfeld or something, or whatever makes you happy. But for those who have woken up, we have to really get the information out quickly to others. And there are people who are asking questions. They don't have the information. They've got to start spreading it very quickly because we're getting brought into a planned hell here, a hell where the economies are pooled gradually. And I've said that for years and years, as the United States finishes off its job in the Middle East, at the same time, they'll be taking or pulling the rug from under your feet back home. And that is happening. That's happening. That's the plan. The U.S. is to be brought under, submerged into the new world order, which it helped finance and create. Jack Zatali wrote about this in his book Millennium when he talked about the next boat people of the world would be those Americans leaving shores looking for work abroad. And that is going to be not just the U.S., that's everywhere in the Western Hemisphere. That's the plan. Written about widely by many others too. Nothing happens by chance. These guys don't have crystal balls where they simply predict something or channel something from Zeta Reticuli, which is very popular apparently, but they they know the plan to sit in on the boardroom meetings where powerful people project what they, they want to happen in the future of the economy and the world and society at large. A hundred years war. A hundred years war. And believe you me, this war has already taken its toll. I'm astounded when people will call me up and say, when does this all start, Aaron? They expect something to happen immediately, like an atom bomb or something. That's not how it works. This war has been going on your entire life. And everyone is a victim of it. Everyone has had their series of brainwashing through the school system, the type of brainwashing called scientific indoctrination that Bertrand Russell talked about many years ago. We've all had it. We've also had all the inoculations of foreign DNA pumped into us. Our immune systems are far lower than our predecessors. This is all done by, by design. Eventually we'll be so immunocompromised, simple, simple infections will kill us off. And they expect this to happen in the near future. But... You ought to look around you and see what's happening with this, again, military police 
and, co- and, and military uniforms, black uniforms across Europe in subways and all the rest of it, supposedly to do with what happened in 9-11, 2001, supposedly. But in reality, it had nothing to do with that. You see, Britain tried to push through the Anti-Terrorist Act to give them full military martial law powers in 1998. And Canada did it in 1998. Alan Rock rammed it through by himself, this omnibus crime bill that really is martial law. 9-11 was just the incident that gave them credence for what was already a plan. It had to be done. That was the Pearl Harbor event. This is from communitycare.co.uk. And I like the logo, communitycare.co.uk, for everyone in social care. It sounds like we're all within social care, aren't doesn't it? And, and to an extent we are. And it's from 28th of August, 2008. Cornwall police hail a voluntary curfew in Redruth. This is in England. A voluntary youth curfew scheme in the southwest has been hailed as a success, but it was a focus on parental responsibility that kept teenagers off the streets or the unseasonably wet weather this summer. Curfews have been a feature in some areas of the UK for the past decade. Ten years, you see, ten years have been at this, getting us all used to having cops and military in the streets, prompting concerns about a growing array of police powers to drive young people indoors. However, in recent years, the courts have ruled that the police can only force a child to go home after curfew hours if they are at risk or are behaving antisocially. What on earth is antisocial these days? Have you watched the movies recently? Since while dispersal orders are still used by the police, particularly in inner cities where violent crime is a concern, many authorities have become more reluctant to use them. Niggas on about shouting and swearing. Last year, residents of Redruth and Cornwall complained of groups of young people being out late into the evening, shouting, swearing, drinking alcohol, and shinning, shinning up lampposts. <laughs> Initially, the police applied a six-month dispersal order, but when that expired and the problems returned, they tried a different approach, a voluntary curfew with an emphasis on responsible parenting. Operation Goodnight ran in the close hill area of Redruth over the school summer holiday, which ends on 7th of September. Children under 16 were encouraged not to be out in the streets unsupervised after 9pm and to be home by 8pm if under 10. Then he goes on and on and on. Now what's interesting here though is when you read the old documents by those who helped plan the society, the social system in which we live today, they talked about the destruction of the family unit the emasculation of the males would have no inputs into society unless you joined the military. It's the only place you can go and do the man stuff and be applauded. But they also said that the state, the state and the media would be the ones responsible for giving children their culture and their morals. What you're seeing now is the, is the result of the state and the media giving them their morals. I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just pointing out what you're seeing happening in your streets today, because it's a wartime situation. These guys at the top wanted a complete war scenario. What happens in war? You have curfews. You have ID cards. You have restrictions on travel. All of those things are happening across the Western world. Why? Because they decided that only under conditions of war can they run ahead and take over every facet of your life and guide you and order you around, and you will comply under war scenarios only. And for those that can't really get it, why do you think they're having all these urban warfare drills within cities? Here's one, just before I go to the, the phone calls, it's important, it's happening, in Oregon, it's happening in Portland and Oregon. This is from KGW.com, the news for Oregon and Southwest Washington, August 27, 2008. Just Portland, Oregon. Military helicopters training that shocked and awed Portlanders Monday nights were pulled back Wednesday over downtown skies. Monday night's drama was all part of a military exercise. How dare they, we think about it, how dare they practice on the public in your cities? What do you think that's all about? It says here, Monday night's drama was all part of a military exercise. News Channel 8 has learned that the Army and Navy are conducting urban military training in Portland and Salem from August the 17th to the 30th. That's quite a long exercise. City officials said Wednesday night's training would only be around the Janston Beach area. The training will include low visibility movement, military operations in urban terrain, manual and low weight explosive breaching, fast rope insertion, live fire, live fire, and other exercises according to a memo from Portland Mayor Tom Potter to the Navy's Special Warfare Development Group. Special Warfare Development. It sounds like some big corporation is in a building, eh? Special, they build wars. Special Warfare Development Group. I wonder if you can get shares in that. A spokesperson in Mayor's Potter's office says the military asked permission to conduct the training last November. The Portland Police Bureau's specially trained SERT unit is involved in the training. Why do you think your police are involved in urban warfare with the military? Do you think it's to do with Iraq? Your own police are involved. It's because they're getting ready for the riots back home. And they're using us and our tax money to practice on us. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Not bad at all. A spokesperson in Mayor Potter's office says the military asked permission to conduct a training. The, the police, uh, especially trained start unit, is involved in the training. Monday's exercise involved helicopters hopping from one downtown skyscraper to another. Many residents and downtown workers were concerned by the low-flying helicopters. I guess the machine gun fire didn't bother them that much. The Department of Defense provided no advance warning of the exercise. No advanced warning, eh? The urban military training is expected to take place in Salem on Tuesday and Thursday. It is not clear what type of training will take place in Salem. It's amazing. It's astounding what goes on. And people still are out there getting ready for voting. And waving their little placards and their badges and their funny hats. Quite, quite astounding to see how those in the illusion still operate. Quite amazing. Now we'll go to the phones, and we've got Mark from Sydney on the line. Are you there, Mark? Hi, Hello? Alan. Are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm surviving the mosquitoes and the rain and the thunder. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome, mate. Hey, um, 
Good show today, eh? Pretty good. Hey, I had a couple of questions for you. I just wondered, one of my first questions was, I was going to ask you about um, something you've referred to in the past about the trick of the elect. Yeah. Or the elect trick. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, it, they love to play on words at the top, and they give us names for things. They, they name things in the, the, the esoteric. They also go back to Adam, and they call themselves Adam. Adam was given the right to name all the animals and creatures and things in the world. So they use yeah. this technique, and when they give us new inventions and so on, they always wrap up the little joke inside of it, and they call themselves the elect at the top. And the, elect, the trick of the elect is to use... Uh, basically electricity that's what electric is and electricity is, is the medium by which they're going to control the whole planet via computer uh, satellite spies systems cameras and all the rest of it all data collection is the trick of the elect meanwhile the trick is we love it we love all these gadgets and gimmickry and we buy them they don't have to make us take them we buy them uh, the cell phones and everything so that they can monitor us and, and and uh, find out our phoning habits and who our circle of friends are and all this stuff. So everything yeah. generally is a trick, and the trick is that they dangle it in front of us, we buy it and love it, and uh, it makes their job very, very easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that concept of sort of buying your own chains and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I get that. Hey, um, the other question I was going to ask you, are you familiar with a band called Devo? Uh, say that again. Are you familiar with a band called Devo? Devo, Devo. Yeah. Uh, I think I've heard the name, but I haven't. I can't recall the music. Yeah. Oh, okay. It stands for Devolution. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my friend went to that to one of their gigs the other night, and he was. It was. He just found it quite sort of, sort of profound, I guess, in terms of what they were saying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think yeah, I think someone maybe maybe it was you sent me an article on them. Oh, that might have been Alan actually. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah I read some of that. He's yeah. my mate. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot. Of, I think there's some of the Sonic stuff in there too, uh, concerning the band. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, Alan, that's the only two questions I have for you. Okay, thanks for calling. So you have a good day, eh? You too. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye now. Now there's Alex from Chicago. Are you there, Alex? Yes. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yes, hello, Alan. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have conversed with you before. Yeah. And uh, my question is concerning the religions of the world, mm -hmm. and I'll try to make it very brief as I can. And uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, from the books I have read and studies I have conducted, it seems that religions rise and fall similarly to great civilizations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for example, modern Christianity is so destabilized and balkanized that it's so weak and uh, basically ready to be tossed over with the next stage of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. But what about like Islam? Because it still holds true and uh, according to Aldous Huxley that the horror of Brave New World may be upon us within a single century. How can they achieve the New World Order with the major monotheistic religion still around? Well, that's the reason they're at war with it, basically. Let's not kid ourselves. This is not a, a war uh, against terrorists. This is just a cover to change the entire world, but also to, to demolish the last remaining monotheistic religion, which is uh, Islam. 
And mm-hmm. some of them wrote about this final, even Pike mentioned that this final war would be against Islam. And that's why they're going all out against it. They have to get in. If you notice the, 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 the method that they use, once they have starved the people into submission and then they bomb them into the ground, they come in with UNESCO. UNESCO is the first organization the United Nations sets in to, to immediately set up schools to indoctrinate the first generation into Western values and culture uh, to make sure that they do not believe in their old God. So that's, that's part of the plan. And these guys pl- hope to fulfill this within the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um- uh, may I ask you a question about the nature worship that is coming in a view? Yes. Yeah, um, for example, in the remote past, before monotheism was fully established, uh, there was a, a sort of a religion called pantheism, a worship of the forces of nature. Yeah. And uh, some remnants of pantheism were transferred to the next way of religions. And, for example, in Russia, we still call uh, the earth uh, Mother Earth. Yep. So we give it kind of anthropomorphic uh, qualities. We call yes. it Mother Earth for many centuries. And is it a natural course of events that we are going back to nature worship? Uh, not really. Not really in, in this sense. Uh, nature worship is to be used as a front for the new priesthood to run and organize the people's lives. Uh, to do with population reduction, to save the world, sustainable economies, sustainable society, all the sustainable stuff uh, is essential for them to run their, their brave new world, but they must create a religion for the public. Gorbachev talked about this in his book, Towards a New Civilization. He said, we are creating a new religion for the people, and it must be based on a form of earth worship. So they're going to use this as a technique of controlling the minds of people into a new reality and all you need is one generation and it'll all seem quite normal that you live to a certain age and then walk into the extermination unit when you hit 30 or something like that Um, or you allow yourself to be voluntarily sterilized to save the world this has already been taught by the way in kindergarten schools they're already getting taught this kind of stuff to feel guilty about the ability to procreate and too many people and there's already people, teenagers coming forward now and voluntarily being sterilized to save the world, saying that it's selfish to, to want to pass on your own genes and take up more room and more of the Earth's resources. So this indoctrination is working, but it's combined with the whole New Age religion. Uh, pantheism, as I say, is only a cover. All major religions have been used as a cover for power over the public, for a small elite to live on top. And the ones at the top elite never follow the religion that they make the people, the people follow. They never follow it themselves or the rules of it. And the well, New yes, Age yeah. was set up to do this. The New Age religion, a mixture of Christianity, Hinduism. The Hinduistic part brings in the pantheistic part. And that, that was started in the 1880s, came to fruition with its second boost in the 1960s, and now it's everywhere. And this is all part of the creating the pantheistic system, or a form of earth worship. But remember, every priest, every religion has its high priesthood, and we will be given ours who will push this agenda of population reduction. That's the, re- the, the real reason behind this, is population reduction and control over the minds of the public. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, so I guess the people, all they have left to do is take their 20 grams of soma and just yeah. be perpetually har- happy. Yes, that, that's exactly what they'll do. They, they use this technique in India. That's why they chose India to blend the Hindu with, with uh, the Western Christianity, because the Brahmins of India had perfected a system of mind control thousands of years ago. The same Brahministic families run India today who ran it 2,000 years ago. Mm. And uh, they, you... they, gave, uh, they gave the caste system uh, uh, there where the people are born into their own caste. And, it, and really, they truly believe they can't move out of it. It's a fixed, rigid system. Mm. Uh, Alan Watt, could you clarify for me, and it's going to be my last question, I'll, I'll just go offline. Could you clarify for me the nature worship uh, in 1984 by George Orwell and also in Brave New World uh, by Aldous Huxley? Could you identify where the nature worship is there? Thank you. Well, well, you, well, you find the nature worship. Um, remember nature and how it's defined, and how we think of nature, and how the elites talk about nature. Now, but when they used to use the term in the Middle Ages, they, they, they were talking about understanding the nature of things. That goes back to the ancient Greeks uh, and their philosophies, where the term was coined, the nature of things, and how things work, um, the sciences behind them, really. And the elites still talk about nature, and they'll, they'll use this term, but they're talking about the sciences. Now, in Brave New World, those creatures who were created in the test tubes and artificial wombs uh, were created to literally love their work and love their system. And so technically, that is also within nature. Anything that can be done scientifically is therefore within the scope of nature. This is what Lenin was par- pertaining to when he talked about a thousand directions that humanity could go off in, but they must believe that the one they're born into, the system they're born into, is the only natural way it could possibly be. But they were well aware that anything that can be done within nature um, is therefore natural. That's also in the Kabbalah, that belief system. So the occultic system believes anything that man can create is therefore natural. Even if they gave you two or three heads, it would therefore be natural if it was designed that way by experts. It's still within nature. Do you understand? Hello? Oh, maybe it's not. Hello? Yes, hello. I'm just saying thank you so much, and uh, I'm eager to I'm, I'm eager to buy your books, and especially the new book that came out. And I advise any listener to do the same. Uh, that's, that's good. I should plug myself too more often. So thanks for doing it for yeah. me. <laughs> yes, no problem, no problem. Uh, Alan, what you've been an inspiration, I think, to many of the listeners. So, uh, guys, if you listen, help out. Even send ten dollar donations or wherever you can. Help out, Alan. What? He's done a marvelous job. Thanks very much for calling. Thank you so much, and thank you. I appreciate the clarification. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, Now, there's Kate from California. Are you there, Kate? Yes, Alan. Hello. Hi, Alan. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, First-time caller. I found you through Alex Jones, and uh, you are uh, amazing. Alan, uh, and I apologize if you've talked about this before, but um, what's really the purpose behind the everlasting Palestinian conflict, and uh, what's the, the goal there in the region, and who's really behind it? Well, uh, we, we know, for instance, that has been an odd, an odd place for a long, long time. Uh, as far as how old that particular area is, 
in Palestine, we don't really know. We, we, we don't know outside of what's given as a Bible of any history of an Israelite people. That, that is fact. That's agreed amongst even Israeli scholars today. Uh, they can really trace their history from Babylon, coming out of Babylon, going, going there, or maybe going back. But all the archaeologists that have gone to, to Jerusalem in that area and, and all the, the surveys they've done, they can't find a trace of what they call a, a Yahweh-loving people. They find lots of, of effigies of the mother goddess everywhere they look with the Yonah, everywhere they look, and the sacred fires and so on, but they cannot find this trace of an ancient people uh, as far as what was happening there two, 300 B.C., we do knew, know that on the Temple Mount there, uh, that there was massive sacrifices. The, the Greek uh, philosophers traveled there and documented this, where thousands of animals were, were sacrificed uh, per day. This was like an international place for all the, the top merchants to come. And they talk about the incredible bloodshed there in that area. So... It has some kind of occult significance. There's no doubt about it. Then the Knights Templars dug into that hill when they went in there about the 11th century AD. Uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's really a crossroads. And if you understand the meaning of crossroads in mystical occultic terms, it means a magical place. Uh, they'll say that's where you meet Satan, is in the crossroads. So Jerusalem was situated precisely where all invading armies were going from one place to the, uh, to the other, east to west north to south would have to cross through. So it's a mystical occultic place with a purpose. But hang on and we'll go into this more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're cutting to the Matrix talking to Kate from California about the significance of Palestine. And Palestine, too, has connotations uh, in the occult, even the name itself, when you break it down, and you can do that for yourselves. And look into the, the pala, for instance, and we all know what stein is or stone is, and you'll see a lot of occult significance there. But what we do know is that the entire area of the Middle East was planned to be taken over a long, long time ago, when they set up the big foundations in the 1800s and they had to put an advance guard in there to create dissension um, to create a form of a thorn in the sides of the various populations there and the Arab populations as well so they set up Israel and believe it or not Britain set it up and Britain financed it they even set a good part of its military to, to take over to drive the Turks out of that area uh, during World War I in 1917 and they raised the first regiment the first Jewish regiment uh, called the London Archers and sent them over led, led by one of the Rothschilds he was killed in that action taken over uh, Jerusalem and they called them the London Archers that became Division 2 of the Special Air Service eventually done through the years but, but uh, so it's highly significant and then we find that Sir Ronald Storrs who was the, the Lieutenant Governor uh, for, for Palestine in the 20s and 30s when they were taking in the massive immigration of, of Jewish immigrants from Russia primarily uh, he said that we are setting up an Ulster in, in the Middle East now Ulster was the stronghold of royalty in Ireland that created dissension for centuries 
right up to the present day. So this was done deliberately, and the plan eventually was to, to basically recreate the ancient Babylonian system. And it's so strange, I just got an article from, um, uh, from a, the, the people who designed the, the draftsmen or the architects who designed the buildings for Dubai, and in one of the magazines there, uh, a prominent magazine, they're, they're, they've got a pyramid there that's going to be a city. The city is to be a pyramid spread over a few acres, and everyone will live inside this pyramid, um, a, a ziggurat-type pyramid, uh, and it will be a machine, it'll be a live machine, and you'll live inside of it. So, so why is all this ancient symbology being reintroduced today with the latest technology and gadgetry? Uh, why didn't they do something different? Why did they have to use the same formats, the same system, etc.? And what you find is... Um, the pyramid itself is man's first attempt to make and perfect a mountain, a perfectly shaped mountain. It's not rough. It's not a rolling stone type roughness. It's a perfectly shaped system designed by man who uh, decides that he's become as close as he can to God. And I've no doubt they've already done similar things in Israel. We know that the big library, I think, in Israel that was donated by the Rothschilds is in the shape of a pyramid and also has an all-seeing eye over the doorway. Why this ancient symbology being displayed so prominently today? Why can't it do something more original? Well, it's because it's an ancient religion behind all of this. And if you go into the history of Israel You'll never find where the people really worshipped a single deity. In fact, all the prophets complained that all they ever did was worship other gods. I should really go into this some some other night in more detail to give an idea. But I hear the music coming for the end. So from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your god or your gods go with you.